Hello, my happy little ramblers, and welcome to episode number 47 of Reese Rambles, the official podcast of Controller Reese, of course, and the very first one of 2024. So uh, I'll just uh, wish you a happy new year, and I hope that uh, Santa got you all of the uh, the things that you wanted for Christmas underneath the tree. But um, yeah, that all seems like a lifetime ago now, doesn't it? We're all uh, well back into the swing of things, or at least uh, I know I certainly am, uh, back on the, uh, the work stuff. And um, yeah, being self-employed and a software developer and all that stuff. Uh, if I don't, uh, if I don't actually work, I don't get paid. So um, yeah, don't uh, don't get the luxury of uh, <laughs> having most of January off, having had a big chunk of December off as well. But uh, there you go. Anyway, that's enough about me. Um, you've probably seen the title of this one and uh, probably know what I'm going to be talking about. But I just want to do a very quick, a very quick preamble and a quick uh, sort of callback to something I mentioned last week, and indeed a video that I did on on this channel on Reese Rambles last week, which was to do with the Atari Twenty Six Hundred Plus. Now, um, <laughs> actually, uh, a couple of days after I, uh, I I covered that, that video went out. Um, the post on Atari Age was actually updated, and they've made the firmware. This this is a beta firmware. Bear in mind for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred Plus. Um, they've actually made this publicly available, so you can actually go to the thread and you can download it. Um, I think you need an Atari Age account to be able to do that, but obviously you can just create one and uh, and download that. Uh, there's a firmware flashing tool and there's all that kind of stuff as well. I just wanted to make that uh, sort of public knowledge and put that out there just for anyone who may have missed it. I did I did pin a comment uh, to my videos, uh, just pointing people towards that. But um, at the time when I recorded that, they were asking for people and I think they were, they were thinking of um, sending it to specific people. And I think so many people uh, expressed an interest that they just thought, well, we'll make, we'll make this a public beta. Uh, initial feedback from this is very good. Um, I watched a video just the other day from uh, John Hancock, which I thought was really interesting, uh, just covering a load of uh, Atari 7800 homebrew titles. Um, so th th these are kind of the, the, the newer releases that uh, the 2600 Plus actually has issues with, compatibility issues, because of the cartridge dumper and, and that kind of thing. Uh, because the uh, obviously the, 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 the ROM chips in these cartridges are bigger than the uh, sort of the older games that came out back in the day, and they use different memory mappings. And I, I went over all of this last week and, uh, in, in that specific video. And uh, yeah, he, he actually went through and he tested uh, over 50 different homebrew cartridges and um, the vast majority of them worked where they didn't work before. So uh, that's a really cool update, really cool to see that they fixed so much stuff. And uh, getting reports that uh, there's a lot of sort of older games that have been fixed as well, and a lot of kind of those big bugs and things. So um, looking fantastic. Um, I haven't had a chance to try it out myself yet. Um, as I said last week and, and in that video, um, I think I'm probably going to... Um, Probably going to wait until the actual final kind of public release to do a proper video on that and, and just kind of cover some of the updates and things. But I am ready. I've got notes. Um, I know what I, what I need to cover. So uh, hopefully that won't be too long. But yes, that's uh, that's just kind of the preamble for this week. Just an update on uh, last week's story. And um, yeah, let, let's let's get on with the uh, with the title story, shall we? So many people find the Christmas and New Year season a good time to reflect on the previous year and on their goals and things for the upcoming year. Uh, I actually did a, a year in review video a couple of releases back on this channel, just going over all of the stuff from Control Alt Reese. Uh, for 2023. I actually released another video after that, um, so I actually did a total of 27 uh, main channel videos last year, which is pretty good going. I'm actually really proud of that. Uh, and also the uh, the weekly rambles as well. And all of the behind-the-scenes stuff that I do for patrons, um, I've released. I've already released my first uh, supporter-exclusive video for 2024, which is looking at some kind of future projects and some donations to the channel. And um, 
yeah, the weekly rambles and all of that. So uh, I was a very busy boy last last year, and um, I'm hopefully hopefully that will continue this year. Uh, as I've mentioned before, uh, having this studio space is going to make life so much easier in that respect. And uh, really, really looking forward to uh, getting my teeth stuck into this. <laughs> now I'm ca caught up on uh, all the work side of things. And uh, of course, uh, invariably, uh, the world of retro tech and tech YouTube uh, start to put out these kind of year in review videos and, and these self-reflection videos and, and kind of uh, looking over the previous year on what they do, what, what, what they kind of uh, want to be doing in the coming year. Now, I, I saw a, a, a lot of these kind of have, um, uh, just before I get into that, a lot of these kind of have uh, clickbait titles, stuff like I quit and all of that kind of thing. And of course, it's all rubbish. Um, I, I don't like to encourage clickbait. I don't like to click on that kind of stuff and uh, give them the views and, you know, that kind of behavior shouldn't be rewarded. But hey, it is what it is. And I'm going to do it for this video as well. I'm well aware of that as I sit here saying this um, as a kind of tongue in cheek thing, because um, hopefully anyone who knows me well enough will know that uh, I'm absolutely not going anywhere. But um, yeah, there, there, there was one that particularly caught my eye um, and it's not the one that you're thinking of. Um, one that caught my eye was this one from Jay's Two Cents. Um, you know, talking about a health issue that he had. Uh, Jay's Two Cents is a really big tech channel. Um, I, I really like the guy. I, I have to say, I'm not, um, not really sort of a, a regular... Uh, viewer, so to speak. I don't watch every single one of his videos, but I do watch. Uh, I do watch bits and pieces of his stuff, and he is always very good, very straightforward, uh, honest kind of guy, and um, you know tells it like it is, and just just, just quite likable. And um, he, he put this video out, sort of talking about some health issues that he had, and sounds potentially quite serious. And um, this isn't the kind of thing that I'm talking about. Um, you know, he, he's here updating his viewers, um, just saying that. Um, you know, this this is why my videos have slowed down. This is why I'm probably going to have to slow down even more next year. Um, but I'm not going anywhere. But I just want to be upfront with you and, and tell you what's going on with my life, which is, you know, for someone in the public eye, I mean, this has got, uh, I mean, this has got well over a million views in in two days. So there's obviously a lot of interest in this. But um, for some for someone in the in the public eye to kind of be that frank and honest about their own health uh, struggles and stuff like that, that uh, you know, I find that quite commendable. And I totally understand why someone would want to put out an update like that. I mean, um, you know, I just kind of want to wish him the best and stuff. I know I know he won't be watching this, but um, yeah, I mean, it all sounds quite serious. So um, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully, he gets that sorted. But um, that that's kind of an example of, of kind of the the good side of what I'm talking about. But um, one that I, I kind of wanted to draw attention to. Uh, was the 8-bit guy, of course. Uh, and he's put out this video um, of him uh, looking kind of very green and uh, not, 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 uh, not, not brilliant audio in this either. But uh, hey, it's an update. It's a channel update. It doesn't need to be high production value and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it, it's an interesting video and it sparked a lot of debate online, uh, quite rightly. And I have to be careful what I say here because um, people have very strong opinions on this and they have very strong opinions on this guy. And I'm actually going to talk about why first. And I just I just kind of want to preface this, talking about my about, about why I'm doing this. So let's let's switch back to the uh, let's switch back to the big camera. This is big camera time. Um, David Murray is he's, he's a retro computing YouTuber from Texas. And he's been doing this since the very, very early days of YouTube. Um, he originally had a science channel, which I, I never saw. I didn't see that back in the day. Um, it's just kind of a, a well-known part of his lore. Um, and, that, and that's the reason why he built the studio in his house that he built. 
And um, when that kind of didn't work out, uh, he, he started fixing MacBooks, which had, had quite a um, quite an easily fixable and kind of widespread fault at the time, that generation of MacBook. And he made a video showing people how to fix it, and it really blew up on early YouTube. And um, then he kind of became the MacBook guy, and, and that was what he rebranded his channel to. Uh, and when he ran out of MacBooks to fix, he started fixing other computers, and people were interested in that. And that, that's kind of around the time I started watching. And that was when he rebranded to the 8-bit guy, and that's what he's been known as ever since. And of course, he's, he's one of the biggest channels in our in our specific niche of retro computing, uh, retro computer repair and documentary type videos and that kind of stuff. And I'm not ashamed to say that he was a, he was a huge influence on my own channel. And I think if we're being honest, he, he's one of those early pioneers who, who kind of set the uh, set the template that the rest of us use nowadays. Um, you know, like I say, he built his own studio in his house uh, years before it, you know anyone was doing that kind of thing. I mean, and that's kind of standard on YouTube now. And just the format of the videos and how he kind of shows things and explains things and 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 all of that and the repairs and the documentaries and really did kind of set the template that a lot of us have kind of followed. And I wanted to acknowledge that. Um, because there's been a lot of criticism of him online, and I am going to talk about this, and I'm going to talk about why. Um, and I, I, I think it's important to point that out. So that's kind of one of the reasons why I, I thought I'd kind of I'd kind of talk a little bit about my thoughts on this. Uh, the other reason is because in this update video that he's done, um, he actually specifically calls out. Um, other tech YouTubers, uh, people like myself, he, he talks about how there are a, a lot of um, other smaller channels that have started since he uh, first started. And um, they're kind of, he, he does acknowledge later on in the video that uh, a lot of them have kind of overtaken him in, in quality and production value and stuff. And that, um, you know, he has to compete for views now with, with channels like mine. So with all that in mind, I think it's only fair that, um, it's only fair that I, I kind of talk a little bit about this. Um, but first, I, I, I want to talk, I want to address, I need to address the elephant in the room and stuff that's going to come up in the comments on this inevitably. And uh, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this to paint him in a bad light or anything like that. I, I just kind of want to paint a picture of, of, of who he is and his background and why people have the opinions on him that they do. So a few years back, um, he had quite an infamous uh, video where he there was a, a, a big warehouse that was discovered in Texas where he lives, um, full of, um, like, uh, it, it belonged to a, a computer repair shop. It was this absolutely huge warehouse. And they found these very, very rare IBM prototypes in there. And um, there, there, there were only like three or four of these things that were known to exist. And he made a video of trying to get one up and running. And quite famously, uh, he he shorted out the power supply with a paperclip, and and blew it up. Like literally, there was you know there was there was a huge bang, and um, he basically destroyed the power supply in this this very rare prototype. And of course, potentially uh, damage to the power supply can um, cause power surges and things through the system that can damage other chips. And in the case of this system, there's you know there could well be custom chips that are. You know, only a handful of of which exist in the world. So, of course, he rightfully got quite a lot of criticism for that. And um, he also uh, used a Dremel to get into said power supply to try to repair it. And uh, he did it because basically the power supply has these um, security screws on it. And um, basically, he didn't have the right screwdriver bit for it, and he was under a lot of time pressure to get the video done. And so he decided the best course of action was to dremel the sides of the screw flat, and then use a pair of pliers to unscrew uh, to unscrew them. Uh, of course, he took uh, some big chunks out of the actual power supply in the process, and he's 
of course, he's had a lot of criticism for that. And I have to say that as, as a tech YouTuber, um, as a tech YouTuber, wow, uh, that, that's a very lofty statement. But um, uh, yeah, as, as someone who's been in that position, I've, I've bodged stuff in the past and I've shown that in my videos. You know, sometimes I don't show it because it's not relevant to the story or because I'm too scared of what people will say. Um, but yeah, sometimes you have to bodge things. And um, I, I have to say, uh, I don't really have many strong thoughts on this. I mean, it's a very rare prototype. I would have been a lot more careful with it, particularly with the screw uh, side of things. I mean, I'm not really familiar with the paperclip trick that he was trying to use to get it to boot up. But um, uh, certainly with the screw side of things, um, you know, you could order the security bits from Amazon and they'd arrive next day. Um, I it's kind of hard to believe that you wouldn't have a screwdriver set that would have this particular security bit. I mean, I think I've got a few of them <laughs> lying around as part of my iFixit kit, like a, a cheap one that I got a few years ago and, and everything else. But hey, it is what it is. You know, he could have dremeled straight across the top of the screws and used a flat screwdriver and not damage the actual power supply itself. That would have been an option. Um, there's a few different ways, and of course, it's all very easy to say in hindsight. But that's, that's kind of part of the reason why he's not a... Um, why, why he's not a popular... <laughs> why, why a few people went off him. Uh, and this was three years ago, looking at, looking at the actual date on the video. And um, yeah, looking at... Um, obviously on YouTube now, you've kind of got the graph that shows the most replayed uh, parts of the video. And um, yeah, the paperclip thing and the, the Dremel thing are actually the two most replayed parts of that video. So an awful lot of views on that from people just going to see what all the fuss was about and what all the criticism is about. But um, again, I just say this to kind of... Um, you know, paint a picture, paint a picture of, of who he is and, and why people kind of criticise him. Now, this next bit is political, and I don't like to get political on this channel, and I'm going to try and handle it as well as I can, but I, it, it needs to be mentioned. Um, there was an incident a couple of years back where some old videos of his came to light. It looks like this was September 2020. And he was in a Home Depot, a big uh, DIY shop in the US, and he had a quite a large rifle strapped to his back. Now, he's, he's quite a well-known gun enthusiast. Of course, that's a big part of the culture in Texas. And just to kind of talk about that um, from my own point of view, um, you know, I, I live in, in, in the countryside in a rural area in the UK. Um, I know gun owners. I know people who shoot for sport. Uh, my next-door next neighbour is a gamekeeper in his day job and has a shotgun licence. It's a thing. Um, and it's not something I, I really kind of have, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big anti-gun person is what I'm saying, you know. I appreciate it's a cultural thing. I appreciate America is a very big uh, open place with a lot of a lot of space and, you know, people go hunting with the boys over the weekend and they'll stalk a deer and they'll shoot it and they'll camp out and they'll, you know, butcher it and cook it and eat it. And actually, if you eat meat, you know, it's, it's, it's quite an honest way to live. Um, you know, it's not something I really sort of take issue with uh, specifically. But in this case... Um, you know, obviously the, the guns getting into the hands of people who shouldn't have them and use them irresponsibly is a whole different debate and a whole different side of the story. Um, but in this case, he, he's publicly calling out um, a, a charity that was that was set up, um, basically a gun control advocacy group, um, which was set up in the aftermath of the Sandy Hook Elementary School uh, shooting, which is um, obviously a lot of young children. Uh, very, uh, very tragically lost their lives in, in that event. And um, he's not handled it in a very good way at all. He's, he's basically calling them out and he's, he's showing off his gun and, he, you know, he's in public and he's saying, oh, you know, c come and take this off me if you dare kind of thing. You know, it's my right to have this. And that's that's not cool. That's, that's kind of a, a very misjudged, uh, misguided thing to do. 
Um, and uh, yeah, he lost a lot of support. And I, I have to say, um, I was a patron of his. When Patreon very first started, I actually signed up and I, I specific, specifically signed up to to support a couple of the creators who actually uh, really inspired me in those early days. LGR was one of them uh, and the 8-Bit Guy was another one. And when this came out, obviously a lot of people cancelled their patronage and stuff like that. And um, yeah, when um, you know, I, I thought I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna join in with the the, the knee jerk reaction, the piling on, and all that kind of stuff. I'm gonna see what he says. It's an old video, um, you know. Maybe it was a moment of madness. Maybe he didn't understand the context of what he was saying. Maybe you know, giving the benefit of the doubt at least. And then he released an apology video, uh, a so called apology video. Uh, where he basically doubled down on the whole thing and said, I can't see where I've done anything wrong. This is part of the culture here in Texas. Um, if you don't like it, you know, get over it kind of thing. Uh, and that that was that was the moment I cancelled my uh, patronage to him. And that was also the moment I pretty much stopped watching his channel as well. Um, I, I think he handled that very badly. Uh, similar similar to the, uh, the IBM video as well, um, the way he handled that was... Uh, um, he, he released a follow-up and basically said, oh, I was under a lot of time pressure and it's just a computer and uh, I don't really see what the big deal is kind of thing. And uh, sometimes sometimes when you make mistakes, well, uh, always when you make mistakes, um, I think you kind of have to show some humility and say, yeah, you know you know what, I've reflected on it. I've listened to all the feedback on it. I was wrong. Um, you know, it's very wrong of me to do that. But um, again, in, in both, those, both of those situations, he just doubled down and um, said he didn't see the problem, which... Yeah, you can understand why he's not a not not a popular figure. And uh, yeah, then he followed up by going into Subway and buying a sandwich with with a rifle strapped to his back. Um, I don't think he made any controversial uh, comments in that one. Um, yeah, um, that, that that's kind of just to paint some picture of the background of him and some of the backlash that he's received off the back of this, and some of the kind of the old things that have come out of the closet uh, as a result of this video. So if I go back to uh, to this, and like I say, I'm, I'm kind of addressing this because he's he's kind of called out channels like mine, and um, yeah, and I've gone over all that. But uh, yeah, in this video, he, he he talks about how his YouTube uh, ad revenue is down uh, by over fifty percent on previous years in the past year, and he talks about some of his uh, theories on, on on why he thinks that is. And like I say, a big part of that is competition from other channels. It's kind of one of the first and kind of foremost things that he that he brings up. And um, he, he he mentions in the video that he only released 16 videos last year on his channel. And um, obviously, like, like as I said earlier, I, I did 27 and this isn't my full-time job. Um, but that's kind of by the by, but it's, it's just to kind of frame that as a, as a thing. Um, and that... Uh, that, that, that he's he's made less than half the ad revenue than he did in previous years when he released over 40 videos. Now, yeah, now, yeah, I mean, doing the maths on that, I don't think it's too difficult to work out what's going on there. But um, anyway, um, I move on. Um, he, he talks about how he's going to get criticism from people because everyone says he's a millionaire and he's making millions from YouTube and Actually, he's only living, a, you know, an upper middle class lifestyle and, um, you know, he's not as rich as everyone thinks he is and actually revenues down and, you know, he's, he's been struggling to uh, design his, his 8-bit computer project, the Commander X16, and he's struggling to, uh, you know, ship his, his software out because he makes games in, in his spare time, Planet X2 and Planet X3. And um, I have to say, um, that's... the. The, the gist of what I'm saying here is the tone of this video is off. Um, it's not right. Um, you know, he, he says he lives an upper middle class lifestyle. He owns his own home in a country where most people don't. Um, he drives a Tesla. Um, he has, he's built his own studio in, in his back garden. And ultimately, he has 
you know, YouTube is his full-time job. And in that job, he makes enough money that he can pursue all these passion projects like designing his own computer and making his own games. And he says in the, he actually announces in this video that he's opening his own arcade soon and that, that they've bought um, like 90 arcade cabinets. Um, this is a thing that's in partnership with a few other people, I should say. This isn't, isn't something that he's entirely funded on his own. Um, and I don't think he realises that... <laughs> I think he's actually quite lacking in, in sort of the self self awareness to realise that the incredibly privileged position that he's in to be able to do all of this stuff. Um, you know, he, he complains in the video, oh, you know, I've even been looking at getting a, getting a real job again and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, this isn't owed to you. These views aren't owed to you. You you have to work for them. And the truth of the matter is, the the other channels that are, that are taking the views away from him are. They're working harder on the YouTube side of things. I mean, you know, it may well be that, that, that he's run ragged. And this is something I'm going to talk about a bit later on uh, when I kind of come to my final conclusion about all of this. But, um, you know, on the YouTube side of things, it's evident that a lot of these new channels are very kind of, um, you know, highly motivated to, to, to be successful and, you know, putting a huge amount of work into this. And, and that's why they're kind of taking over from these older channels that have been, dare I say, coasting for years. I mean, I, you know... It's hard to say. It's a difficult thing to to, to kind of uh, point at someone who's been such a big inspiration and a hero to uh, to me over all these years. But um, I think that's kind of the long and the short of it. And you know, he he, he goes on to say that um, you know he's he's had to stop doing merchandise because he's not got the time to ship it out, and the stuff that he is shipping out is kind of it, it's all been really delayed because he doesn't want to go to the post office for every single individual parcel and stuff like that, which is all right, fair enough, what enough. Again, you know, it is it is what it is, but it's the way he says it that kind of comes across as, um, you know, it, it, it's the phrasing and, and kind of the tone of the video. Um, and then um, I, I think the other bit, the other bit that I just need to talk about is that um, he talks about um, he, he's made a few videos on his channel about his about his game development, um, you know, his his new game Petsky Robots. And um, about his Commander X16 computer development, uh, that obviously he's been working on the, working on this uh, sort of eight-bit computer that uh, has been in the works for a few years. And he basically he's saying that he gets a lot of comments from people saying, "Oh, why are you making videos about this? I'm not interested in this. Can you do more sort of documentary type stuff, uh, or go back to kind of the repair type stuff?" Um, and his defense of that is. Oh, you know, you, you're wrong. Um, you know, I, I've only made three videos on it in the past year, and um, you know, I'm, I'm not pushing it as hard as, as everyone keeps saying that I am. And you know, if you don't like it, don't watch it. And then he complains that nobody's watching, and he's got the feedback right there that you know people are telling him what they want from him, and they're telling him why they've stopped watching his channel. And on the one hand, he's complaining that nobody's watching his channel, uh, but on the other, he's um, he's telling them that they're all in the wrong. And actually, no, I you know I haven't done that many videos on it. I don't know what you're talking about. And like I say, the, the, just the tone of the whole thing is just, it's just off. Um, so yeah, um, he blames YouTube shorts, says that uh, he doesn't want to get into that because he doesn't agree with them. I'm actually on board with that. Um, I'm probably going to do some shorts this year, but uh, I do think it is very unreasonable that um, shorts that in and of themselves don't make any revenue for YouTube, um, the people that make them get paid for them, even though there's no advertising on them. Uh, and you know that they, they, they don't make any money for YouTube, and that money comes from people like us that make long-form content, and that means that YouTube pays us less uh, because they're using that money to subsidise trying to take over, you know, TikTok and and all of that kind of stuff, which is just it's just wrong. Um, so I'm totally on board with that, um, although he doesn't explain that very well. But um, 
Yeah, and uh, he also talks about like sponsorships and how he doesn't want to do sponsorships in in every video and you know the whole PCB way stuff. And he has spoken in the past about how he's been offered like five figures per video and stuff like that. Honestly, uh, you know, if I don't think anyone would begrudge him that. It's kind of a thing that everyone does. Um, but again, I'm, I'm actually on the same wavelength as him with that. Um, I don't do sponsorships on my channel generally. I mean, there's stuff like the, the desk and stuff where it was stuff I was going to buy anyway. Um, so, you know, it, rather than pay 500 quid, I'll, I'll give them a, a 60 second shout out in a video. And, uh, you know, he does say that he's done the same with his solar videos and, uh, you know, with the EcoFlow stuff and stuff like that. So uh, we're very much on the same wavelength with, with that side of things. And I can't criticise him for that. But, uh, yeah, the crux of all this, uh, for anyone who's still with me, um, and what I want to say, and uh, this has partly come from people speculating in the comments on his video, and it's also partly come from me talking to someone who actually knows him in real life. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to say um, any more than that on, on that. But um, essentially, he's burnt out. He's been burnt out for years. Uh, let's switch back to the big camera to talk about this. Um, yeah, uh, you know, th there's been a lot of criticism on the internet of, of him over the years that his videos are, are declining in quality and he's not doing as many of them and, and, and all of that. And um, the truth of the matter is he, he's, he's massively overworked and he's, he's spread himself far too thinly, um, you know, pursuing all of these other projects. And I think that's been obvious to the rest of us for a long time. And it's not something that he talks about in the video. Obviously he says, oh, I've, I've spent time on this and I've spent time on that and I've spent time on that. And why don't you appreciate that I'm working on all of these projects and making all of these great things for you? And the phrasing of it and the tone of it is wrong. Um, you know, he, he, the, the thrust of the video should be, I've, I've worked too hard over the past few years. You've probably noticed that in my output on the channel. I'm really sorry about that. I'm burnt out. I've spread myself too thinly. Um, I'm going to reorganize my life and kind of change my priorities. And he does say at the end of the video, I'm going to reorganise my life and I'm going to change my priorities. Uh, but he, he, doesn't, um, he doesn't kind of put two and two together. Um, not telling someone else how they should be talking to their audience, uh, but that's my take on the whole thing. Uh, I don't want this whole thing to be me taking him apart and um, you know criticising him and causing drama and stuff. That's not, that's not what I'm about. That's not what I want to cause. Um, you know, that's, that's not the message that I want to put out there. But um, yeah, I, I did have thoughts on this. And... Um, no matter what you think of him as a person, and of course there's so much content out there and you can choose not to support him, and if you don't watch his videos and you don't support him on Patreon, then you won't be putting money in his pocket and you won't be supporting him and, you know, encouraging um, perhaps things, political things that you, that you don't necessarily agree with. And that's that's fine. You can just ignore the guy and pretend he doesn't exist. And there's so much other stuff out there that uh, it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, uh, I think when, he, uh, you know, when he's there kind of... Uh, Blaming of a, of a creator, not blaming, but, you know, saying that uh, this is down to kind of other newer channels and, um, you know, the, the, there's been this uh, the kind of undercurrent of him kind of phoning it in for a few years that um, doesn't quite sit right. But, um, yeah, like I say, uh, that, that's uh, hopefully that's a kind of a balanced and level-headed take on the whole thing. Sorry I've spent so much time talking about this, but um, this is too much to put in as tweet or uh, <laughs> to put out there as a, a text post or something. And I didn't want to do it as a separate video either because, um, you know, I didn't want uh, people to think that I was uh, sort of uh, courting drama and, and doing stuff for, for just purely for clickbait reasons and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, anyway, um, I, I guess we should uh, move on to the next topic. But uh, they're my thoughts on the matter. Um, I, I'm not particularly interested in the kind of videos that he makes. Um, he, he has gone quite a bit off topic with, with kind of promoting his own projects and stuff and, and the repair videos and stuff. Um, like I say, the, the channels that I do sort of spend my time watching are doing exactly the same kind of content and he does acknowledge that. But um, 
Anyway, anyway, just a big talking point in the uh, kind of retro computing and retro gaming world this week to kick off 2024, 2024. And um, they're my uh, they're my kind of uh, interesting and, and nuanced thoughts on it. I'm sure you all have thoughts on it, and I'm sure I've already got a million and one comments about this. But um, let's move on to uh, let's move on to something else. So last week I talked about a game called the Talos Principle that came out way back in 2014, I believe it was, uh, nine years ago. And how much I loved that game at the time, and it was my Christmas game for that particular Christmas, and you know I'd spent hours and hours playing it, and I was really surprised to discover that a sequel had just come out, and that was probably why I was thinking about it. I'd probably kind of seen it mentioned somewhere, and it had lodged in, lodged in my subconscious somewhere. And uh, yeah, really, really cool puzzle game. If you, if you like Portal and, and that kind of stuff, it, it'll be right up your street. It's really, really sort of well-designed and clever. And has this really clever um, kind of story to it as well that's, um, you know, it's... It, it, it's, it's it's um, almost too clever for its own good, I guess. I, I guess the one criticism of it is perhaps it is maybe a bit too heavy on the uh, sort of the politics and the philosophy and the the religion side of things. But um, yeah, um, I'm very pleased to say that I have bought the Talos Principle too. Um, I actually bought it last weekend immediately after after recording last week's ramble, and I've played uh, the first five hours of it maybe now. And I love it. It's fantastic. Such a good game. Um, I, compared it, I compared it to Portal earlier, and um, I think it's um, a very fair comparison, particularly as far as the scope of the two games is concerned. Because the first game was kind of, it was this nice little sort of self-contained puzzle game and, you know, had this kind of backstory and stuff that was kind of told through environmental storytelling and all that, all that good stuff. But um, yeah, it, it was predominantly, a, you know, a puzzle game. Um, and uh, that was kind of the, the 90% of, of the actual content. And then when they released Portal 2, um, obviously there was this whole, you know, they, they had the resources and the, they, they kind of had the scope to kind of explore this wider world that this whole thing kind of fit into and, and tied, kind of tie all of the story together. And they did an absolutely amazing job with that. And I have to say it's exactly the same with this. It, it's, it's a very, very uh, kind of apt comparison, I think. Um, so yeah, in the Talos Principle 2, I'm, there's going to probably be some very, very minor spoilers in this, but I'll try not to keep it too, uh, you know, try not to make it too spoilery. I'm um, just showing some footage here from IGN, by the way. This isn't my gameplay footage, obviously. I haven't recorded it. This isn't a proper a review video or anything like that. And I will link to this and obviously the trailers and stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, the game starts off and you, it kind of starts off exactly the same as the first game. You solve these puzzles. You've got, um, you know, you, you've got the narrator Elohim kind of talking to you and, and guiding you through it. And it's exactly the same tone and setting and stuff. And it's really, really cool to kind of be thrown back into that world. And then there's this big reveal that happens and you kind of you realise the whole scope of this thing. And it's it's just insane. It's like a hundred times bigger than, than the first game. And um, this whole story... And I must admit, I thought it was very, very heavy on the story at first. And um, you go around kind of talking to the other characters in the story. And, um, you know, it's really, really heavy on politics and, like I say, religion and philosophy. And, you know, yeah, um, which is perhaps perhaps a bit too much. Uh, but ultimately, uh, once that part's over, um, you know, you kind of thrust back into the puzzles again and it kind of takes a, a bit of a backseat and it kind of becomes the undercurrent of the whole thing. And I think the reason it is so heavy on the story as well in this, um, you know, in, in this particular sequel uh, is because um, I think much like Portal 2, the whole thing's going to kind of fall apart as it goes along and there's going to be this whole big reveal and, you know... We're, going to find out that the way that these kind of very righteous uh you know religious people try not trying not to, to learn from the mistakes of humanity and you know improve their relationship with the earth and the way that they live their lives and stuff um 
you know, that all kind of gets corrupted and falls apart and there's some kind of moral message at the end of it. I'm only five hours in. I've only just completed the uh, the very first of the kind of the three big puzzle areas. Uh, but I love it. The puzzles are absolutely fantastic. It's all about the puzzles. It's a puzzle game. Uh, the puzzles are really well designed, really, really pleased uh, with, uh, you know, kind of the, the new elements that they've introduced and just kind of the... The, the bigger scale of it all and the big improvements in the graphics and all that kind of stuff. So um, I don't review modern games. That's not my thing. Uh, but I, I wanted to talk about it because I I, I really love this game and just um, wanted to kind of make some more people aware of it. Like I say, the... Um, like I said last week, the the first one was was in the Steam sale last week. I don't know if anyone picked it up. It was like three quid or something. Well, well worth it at that price. Um, the new game, I think there's a couple of quid off. I think the Steam sale is finished by now anyway. But um, yeah, well worth it, I think, at full price. It's a really great game if you're looking for a big meaty uh, puzzle uh, philosophy, um, whatever, mind-bending uh, experience to get to kind of get your teeth into. Um yeah, just, just kind of wanted to acknowledge, obviously I, I talked about it a bit last week and just wanted to say that yes, I'm playing it and I'm loving it and it's fantastic. So um, yeah, that would be my recommendation for uh, Game of the Week, I guess, uh, if, you, uh, if, you, if you want to uh, go and check that out. So I'll just round this off with a couple of things that I've seen around the internet this week that may be of interest to uh, my little ramblers here, anyone who's still with me. Um, just a couple of uh, interesting things, really, that have been discussed in our world and are being shared. And the first one of those is this uh, trip to Atari. This is an old... Uh, news report from CBS, uh, CBS 8 San Diego is the name of the channel, and it's a, uh, a special report from Atari headquarters in 1982. Now, this is absolutely fantastic. Some of the footage that they've got in here of, um, you know, the, the stuff that was kind of big that Atari were working on in 1982, obviously the uh, the 5200 and the 2600 and, um, you know, they're, they're kind of arcade games and stuff like that. Uh, stuff they have in development. Obviously, Atari was still doing a lot of uh, manufacturing in America still at the time. Um, so they, they show that, the production line. And um, yeah, the, the, you know, this is the kind of footage I've, I've never really seen this kind of footage inside of Atari. Obviously, there's bits and pieces, but kind of of this quality and, um, you know, just, just kind of showing the whole process and, and how they operate. I thought this was absolutely fascinating. And it's uh, it's nearly 12 minutes long. Uh, like I say, it's, um, it, it's video quality is absolutely great for, uh, for, for 1982. And yeah, they, they talk about uh, obviously the 2600 and some of their kind of game development process. And uh, it, it really is a really kind of in-depth behind the scenes look at Atari and, and how they were operating at the time. Obviously a subject that's very kind of dear to my heart and um, well well worth sitting down and uh, you know uh, and watching this, this news report. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. So um, I will put that in the usual places if you haven't, haven't discovered that yet. So you can uh, go and give that a watch. Uh, the other thing, uh, just the other kind of story just to round us off for, for this week, uh, is that uh, the oldest known version of MS-DOS's predecessor has been discovered and uploaded. And um, of course, another subject that's very dear to my heart. I've covered uh, early DOS machines and the IBM XT and, and, and that kind of stuff on my channel in the past. And, uh, you know, love, I grew up with DOS and sort of early Windows 3.1 and uh, 95 and stuff. Uh, very much um, a big part of my, my childhood. Something I'm really, really interested in the history of. And um, yeah, so uh, if you know the story of MS-DOS, I'm not going to go over the whole thing here, but um, basically uh, Microsoft originally kind of licensed it. Um, it was originally called 86-DOS or originally, originally called Q-DOS, which was quick and dirty operating system, I think. And um, yeah, they licensed it, sold it to IBM, obviously had this whole deal where they were developing it in parallel with IBM, with IBM PC-DOS and MS-DOS. And um, so basically it, it, this is uh, this is MS-DOS's kind of, 
um, you know, earliest known ancestor, this very, very early version of uh, 86 DOS. And uh, yeah, this uh, story from Ars Technica this week uh, basically says that someone has uploaded it. Uh, you know, someone, someone, someone's recovered it and they've uploaded it. And um, yeah, you can actually check it out yourself if you uh, if you want to. If you can uh, set up a uh, an environment that can run it. Um, yeah, it was uh, of course it was named uh, 86 DOS as it mentions here. 86 DOS after the uh, Intel 8086 CPU, which it was designed to run on. And uh, yeah, went on to become MS DOS and IBM PC DOS. And then of course. Uh, that DNA made its way through to Windows, and uh, was kind of the foundation of uh, the whole of uh, you know that whole Wintel thing that we do. Well, that some of you do. Um, I'm using a Mac here, but uh, there we go. So another cool story there. Another thing to check out potentially. Maybe even a subject for a video, possibly. If I didn't already have a million and one things going on in my life, but um, yeah, you never know. Watch this space. But sadly, it's now time for this to draw to a close at the end of our time together for this week. I hope you've had a lovely time. If you're still with me, uh, then thank you very much. Um, obviously, the big rant and stuff earlier on uh, may, may have put some people off. Looking forward to seeing the retention on this one. Um, but yeah, uh, as for myself, I think I've mentioned a couple of times before that, um, yeah, I really kind of want to up the output this year. I've already released one thing to supporters, just looking at some future projects and things, as I mentioned at the top of this video. And um, yeah, looking forward to using this studio a lot more, getting a lot more stuff out there. I've got a list as long as my arm of uh, projects and things that I really need to get stuck into. Like I say, just kind of this first week of the year, getting caught up on uh, work-related things first. But um, then uh, time to kind of hit the ground running and start treating this as uh, kind of as a second job, really. Um, you know, I, I, I've got all my eggs in one basket, really, with the with the software development thing and, uh, and my income. And um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not. I certainly don't have aspirations of going full time or anything like that. I think I can um, fit it around my day job and um, you know put out some you know put out good quality content and cover the kind of stuff that I want to cover. Of course, I'm really, really enjoying doing this at the minute. That's kind of the the big motivator. It's a, you know I, I love tinkering with this stuff anyway. So pointing a camera at it and then uh, making a video out of it, which is another thing that I also really enjoy, um, is is kind of the logical uh, progression of that. So um, to be able to do more of that kind of stuff and to be able to sort of uh, justify it financially is is kind of the ultimate end goal. And um, definitely, you know, well towards uh, working my way towards that goal as well, which is really cool. But uh, yeah, um, I think I'm rambling now. So I just want to thank you ever so much for all of your support in 2023. And of course, for uh, joining me now again in this uh, exciting new year for me. And um, thank you very much for listening. And I'll hopefully uh, see you again next week. Bye.